Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. With me, not quite as always, is Laurel, and also Noah. <laughs> Hi, Laurel! Hi, Noah. Hi, Laura. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing the show. You are our second guest ever on the show. I feel so honored to be the second guest. Second, but definitely not last. Yes, definitely not last. You and Sex Toy Dave from Megan Wants a Millionaire. Wow, so much in common. So much in common. <laughs> Basically the same interview. Yeah, it's going to be all the same questions. You're so. going to talk to us a lot about crypto. It's going to be great. <laughs> I can spell that. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, of course, the leader of the Green District over at, on Kid Nation 13 years ago on CBS. Uh, thank you so much for doing the show. So... Uh, I just want to dive right into it and ask, how did you end up on this show? Yes, that is a, that's the most asked question. It's the, the, the craziest question and the craziest answer. Um, so um, I grew up in Massachusetts, in Boston, uh, right outside Boston in Medford. Um, and I grew up doing, you know, theater. I was an actress. I sang. I was always singing at, like, the local uh, baseball games in the town, like Little League tee off whatever or not tee off uh tee ball and stuff um singing the national anthem there i did a lot of drama in school um i was always just really outgoing person and loved uh performing and loved television and loved that whole realm and that whole you know medium i loved it to this day and so that's what i got into when i was younger um and in uh massachusetts i don't know if you're aware of the pbs show zoom yes come on in zoom Yes, come on and Zoom. Uh, so when I was younger, my brother and I um, auditioned for uh, Zoom, and we got through a couple rounds, um, and we didn't end up making it. Um, but that was really cool, and that was a cool experience. I think I was probably eight or nine when that happened, and that kind of bit me a little bit. The bug bit me a bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a few years later, I remember I was 10, and my brother was 12, and we auditioned for a PBS show called Fetch with Ref Ruffman. Oh, um, yes. We actually yes. just watched a documentary about that. Yeah, we watched the Defunct Land. Watch a documentary about that? Yes, Defunct Land. If you don't watch Defunct wow. Land, you got to get on that. It's a fantastic okay. YouTube channel. Well, my older brother is Brian from season one. Um, <laughs> That's fun. If that, yes. So he uh, actually, he didn't end up really auditioning. I went on the audition and he just came with me begrudgingly. And um, he was so frustrated about being there that he kind of threw, not a tantrum, but like a, a funny, like sort of sassy response to the uh, directors and, and the casting people in there. And they were like, we want you. Um, <laughs> so they were like, this kid's got something. And he did. And he was just bitching about being there. And he ended up getting on the show, um, which just grinded my gears. And, uh, I bet. Just drove me, little fourth grade me, it drove me crazy. But I squeezed my way on to, I believe, two episodes. Because I kept oh. showing up to set with my mom because it was filmed during the summer. And my brother would go to different sets around New England and I would just go and I would be sitting on the sidelines just like, what you guys doing over there? You know, do you need anyone to, you know, and I ended up managing my way into two episodes. 
And um, I think they saw that I was kind of feisty and outgoing and had no problem speaking my mind. And then uh, a couple years went by and I got a call. Uh, well, my mother got a call from Kathy, who was one of the producers on Fetch. And she said, we're trying to round out this cast. And we've got about 38 kids cast, but we don't have anybody from the Boston or New England area. I knew Laurel was interested at one point in television. Um, would she like to come in for an audition? And I said, absolutely. So I went to a studio in Boston with a couple producers in the room. They asked me a ton of questions about myself. And I was just giving my honest answers. And um, I think they liked that I had no fear saying whatever I wanted. And um, I ended up getting into an argument with one of the heads of CBS uh, in one of my interviews, a verbal argument about the Iraq war. Because I was oh. so against it. I was so against it at that time. Okay. Well, still am and, you know, whatever. Yeah, but, right. It has know, not improved. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> In sixth grade, I was talking to this 40-year-old man going at him about weapons of mass destruction. Mm. And they, they ended up telling me that, you know, they were impressed by my not only knowledge of that, but being able to so eloquently deliver it and not be afraid to go at it with an older man um, verbally. Jesus, someone's going to take that sound bite. Uh, <laughs> verbally uh, discuss enthusiastically right um and they said they were impressed by my balls i guess and um those are the exact words they used to a 12 year old (laughs) yeah they said you had giant balls and we said get her on here and (laughs) no they uh and they ended up calling me a few weeks later and you know more and more audition processes and that was that and they called and said you're on the show that's the longest answer i'm going to give you it's the longest answer so (laughs) other than that i'm not going to give you paragraphs upon paragraphs but that's the explanation so how much of the concept of the show did you know when you were getting involved not a lot um the only reason that my mother agreed to let me do it was because she had she knew kathy so well who was the producer from fetch um and kathy had said you know i'll Keep an eye on her and make sure nothing happens to her uh, and make sure she's okay and that she's safe. And so at the end of the day, my mom was like, all right, you can go. But they basically kept telling us. So here's the funny part. Oh, excuse me. That was a burp. Put that in there. Um, <laughs> oh, it's staying in. Thank God. Um, so uh, originally when we were first in, in talks of this and um, in casting and whatever, they didn't have an official name for it. And even if they did, they didn't say it publicly because of the fear of it being released to the press and people talking about it before it was out there. So the code name, the undercover code name of talking about Kid Nation was called the Manhattan Project. Oh. Oh. No one, no one thought that through? I was 12 and at that point didn't really know what that meant. And I was just like, oh, and then I remember uh, this was when I had a, com- a family computer home screen in you know my basement that everyone could see, no iPhones or anything like that. Googling like what the Manhattan Project was <laughs> and seeing what it was and being like, what the fuck? What is this? What am I doing here? Hey, um, it probably wasn't the worst thing you Googled when you were 12. It's fine. Yeah. Absolutely not. Oh, that was the era of two girls, one cup. So absolutely not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. The worst thing I ever Googled. Anyway, oh. um, so they had told us that we were uh, essentially going to build a town, and they didn't really go on much about that, but they were saying that it was going to be a, a town of kids that were going to prove that they could do it better themselves. And I was 
so you know into that when I was mm-hmm. that age. Because you were not going to start the Iraq War. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. No wars in Bonanza City. Absolutely not. We're just going to smoke weed and go to bed. That's all we're going to (laughs) do. Was there a lot of weed in Bonanza City? That would have been a thriving economy. Probably, maybe Jared had something going on the black market. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Me trying to think about what the climate is. I'm like, I don't think that's a hospitable climate. It probably could have happened. Um, But that was very shortly after I graduated from the D.A.R.E. program, so that wasn't on my mind at that point. (laughs) That's how old I was. (laughs) What an amazing uh, journal entry it would have been had there, like, been a medicinal marijuana chapter of the journal. Bonanza City. (laughs) (laughs) Bonanza City does mushrooms. (laughs) Bonanza City does shrooms. Watch what happens. Yeah, the the rest of the journal gets real weird after this chapter. Yes. Uh, but back to your original question. Yes. Uh, they they told me um, a, a bit about the show, but not a lot. And I was just so excited for the adventure that I didn't really care. You know, okay. at, at 12 years old, you don't have a ton of independence. You can't drive. Um, you still have to go everywhere with your parents. You don't have any money. Like, it's, it's very hard to be completely independent when you're 12. Right. So when I was given this opportunity to kind of go to, like, an extended summer camp, away from my family and I could do whatever I wanted. I was like, where's my plane ticket? <laughs> you know, I was so ready to go. Let's go. Um, and they did send my family. There was like a 50 page contract that they sent us uh, legal documents and all of that. And luckily my mom uh, to this day is a legal assistant. She's a paralegal. So she gave it to some of her lawyers in the office and they thoroughly looked through it. Um, and they basically came back to her and said, it looks like a standard contract, you know, nothing, there's nothing in here that's jumping out at us that makes us go, this is illegal. There so, wasn't like a clause saying they were sacrificing you to Satan or anything? There was nothing that that was written in the CBS contract that <laughs> large and in charge Boston lawyers were looking at and going, we cannot send this child. They said it looks like a standard reality contract. So okay. my mom said, okay, I trust you guys. She looked obviously looked over at herself. She's no dummy. She's very smart. But, you know, she wanted to... It official legalized as well. Yeah, it's something um, like really important. You want to have somebody else look at it. Yeah. I, I mean, if my child was being sent away for 40 days in the middle of the desert and I was given a contract, I would absolutely have lawyers look Give over it. Give it a once over. <laughs> a quick skim. Um, yeah. And they, and shockingly, they said there was nothing in there that jumped out at them. So either it was a solid contract that covered all their bases or it was a shitty lawyer. And I think <laughs> it was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that there were lawsuits that came up that didn't really go very far because those contracts were so ironclad. They were ironclad, yeah. And and you signed your life away. Basically, you you put pen to paper and it, it said, we are not responsible for your child's death. We are not responsible for your child's severe injuries. We are not responsible for your child's pregnancy. Oh. Pregnancy list in there. I mean, we I had my period at that point. I was 12. Um, you know, there were 12, 13, 14-year-old girls. 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old boys. It could happen. And we had to sign and saying, if we got pregnant, CBS is not responsible. I just picture, okay. like, a pro- <laughs> I, pro- I picture a producer offset, like, in Mean no, Girls. seriously, think about it, being like, oh, these kids are 14. I mean, yeah. it could happen. It could, it could happen. happen. Oh, I'm picturing, like, the, produ- the uh, gym teacher Mean Girls going, like, don't have sex, you'll get pregnant and die. <laughs> Take some rubbers on your way out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Don't do it, but if it happens, uh, it's not my fault. Yeah. 
So if I can ask a little bit more about the contract, because the one thing that I found surprising is uh, I I produced a a wrestling TV show and we ran into an issue. Thank you. uh, That uh, we needed the crowd to sign NDAs, but you can't sign an NDA with a child. So how did your NDA work if you were not, because you were a minor? I believe it all went through the parents. This was also 2007 before people had the internet in their pockets. So this was a different time. Gotcha. Um, so um, as far as Kid Nation went, my legal documents, yes, I signed things, but it was all under my mother and my father. It was all under my parents. So my parents signed NDAs, and they claimed responsibility for me if I blabbed. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Because so this is some of those kids that you know must have told everyone at school what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> You That's broke your NDA? <laughs> well, the NDAs ended in, like, 2014. Yeah, But think about it. At this time, there was no Twitter. There wasn't really... There was Facebook, but this was still 2007, so not really. Yeah. Facebook was, was only for college students, I believe, at that point. So. Yeah. You know, what am I going to do? Go to middle school and tell one of my friends, and they're going to put it on their AIM away message? Like, nothing... <laughs> at that point, you know, nothing could really be spilled to the press at that point and we just live in such a different time now yeah very true yeah one that's something i've thought about is how this show honestly could not exist with twitter no. because you'd have so much targeted oh, abuse was, at children yeah, it would be horrible and and the thing is um in 2007 there were still message boards and there were still vicious things and i got called names and um i saw it and it was really detrimental especially when i found out it was coming from you know a man noah's age <laughs> And I'm like, that's what you're doing with your life? No, no, I'm, I, the point I was trying to make was it was a... a Grown people. Yeah. 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 Then my the age at that time. Yeah. At that time, no, commenting negatively on a 12-year-old girl online is all. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some, like, camera shots I was uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Oh, please do tell. I love there, your opinion. There's one point where they're uh, the, the bad counsel at the end. Oh, yes. They're catcalling everyone. The Council of Doom. The Council of Doom. They make a comment about Sophia's shorts, and there's this very long camera of, like, from her from the waist down, and I'm looking at this like an... Standing up, yeah. Yeah, uncomfortable. I think it was standing down, yeah. Yeah, as a 30-year-old woman, I'm like, that's a child! You get away from that child, I swear to God. Yep. And what weirdo cameraman was just like, boom. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Weird, weird. Now I look back and go, that's weird. But at the time, I was a child. And as much as I wanted to think I was not in any way manipulated at that point, because, and I do think that about myself, I was a fairly mature and aware child. I I wasn't, Mm. you know, easily manipulated. I was still a kid. So the adults still had an effect over me. Um, And I look back now and I, I see that there were things I was pushed to do. And I didn't have the tools at that point to say no. Does that right. make sense? Especially to a 30-year-old man with a camera in my face. Right. And there's Very also hard to say no. The obvious um, physical discomfort of yeah. you guys I believe were... I was 84 pounds when I went or something like that and um, lost 10 pounds while I was there. Oh, wow. Well, because I, I read Olivia's book because Olivia wrote that oh, entire book and I read that and I, so I, I know about the sandwiches. Um the sandwiches, yes. The they did feed us lunch. Your only they did food. feed us lunch. The only yeah, that was the only food. But at that time, I think 
I don't know what it was. My parents grew up in the projects and I was, even though they grew, like I grew up with upper middle class, well, middle class esque, you know, they still kind of had a poor lifestyle in a way. Like we still, (laughs) so me not having a ton to eat wasn't shocking. I wasn't like a, um, Olivia, and this is nothing against Olivia. I love Olivia, but she was a very, you know, hoity-toity kind of privileged little Christian girl who had, you know, pillows and blankets and cowboy hats and I'm sure hot meals every night. And that was, she's never seen a homeless person and she's never met a gay person. And she, you know, so I'm sure that was shocking to her where I being in theater and growing up in Boston and seeing the worst of the worst to me, it was like, Oh yeah, we didn't eat today. Well, eh, hopefully we'll eat tomorrow. I don't know. I just, I guess I had a different, there's no more natural scavenger than the middle school theater kid. (laughs) The middle school theater kid. <laughs> uh, Noah and I both have backgrounds as being middle school and high school theater kids oh, yeah. up through college. Yeah. So this Thank is goodness. This was like I understand yes. this lifestyle. Yes. Oh, this... like, oh, we had tech week. I I ate fourteen hours ago. Yes. I think I had um, a crack. Yeah, I'm fine. You want to have that number again? Yeah. So for me, it was like, oh yeah, we're hungry. I'm used to being hungry. <laughs> yeah, of course we're hungry. Getting yelled at yeah. by the tech director because you have like. You found something. Yep. And you're just like eating a bag of chips you scavenged from oh, yeah. somewhere. Oh, we would go on interviews um, off site to do the confessionals, and they had craft service trucks because that was, you know. Because they're going to the feed the cameraman. Had, mm-hmm. had union uh, perks and all that. So we would go and we would hoard all the shit. We would get churros and Doritos and um, breakfast sandwiches, and we would bring it all back, and uh, kids would start selling it. Yeah, I believe they discussed that Markel was running, like, a black market. Black market. Genius. Genius. Get him in the White House. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, the the insane level of... uh, Yeah, talk about about stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Yeah. Yeah, this borderline (laughs) abuse of kids where they're, like, hoarding food. Because there's definitely a point where we see kids... You what? The, the crew went home to hotel rooms. Yeah. And we stayed there sleeping on the floor. Yeah. How weird is that? In I the feel snow. Now, yeah, as a crew member, I feel like I couldn't work on that show. Right. I'd be like, this is a sixth grader. They're cold. What, what, can we switch places? Like, this is a little... <laughs> oh, I don't know. So when, oh, you're, when your family did come, how did they react to your living conditions? Shocked. Yeah. Shocked. I remember that my mom told me that I, I came toward her and the first thing she thought was, oh, my God, she's so skinny because I had lost 10 pounds. And at that time, I you know, was still a growing girl. Like I said, I was only 84 pounds or something like that because I was 12. And then I was down to like 74, 75 pounds when I came home. So my doctor was like, we got to we got to you got to eat. I caught right up, though. Don't worry. Um, so I you know, my I remember my mom saying that and also talking about how dirty I was and I didn't realize how dirty I was because we were all so dirty and we were still at that age where we weren't super obsessed with what we looked like because this is also before Instagram and insane social media that young kids see today so we still had like a little bit of self-esteem before like the world (laughs) ripped it from us um yeah so at that point we didn't care and we were so happy not caring um, but I remember my mom, the first thing she thought was, you know, you're so dirty. <laughs> and she got that. And we went back to a hotel room um, and I took a bath. I remember thinking, I really want to take a bath. I mm. told my mom I want to take a bath. I bet that and this fun. is gross. This is gross. But I laid in the bath and the water just turned brown. 
just turned brown with dust and dirt and grime and 40 days of desert and my mom came in and she she looked and and I this might sound weird but ah, no, it's my mom she looked at the water while I was in the tub and she was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I cuz I was astonished they didn't like try to clean you guys up a little oh, bit before the showers okay here's oh that would have been smart but no they didn't right so I would have thought they would have like Polished you up a little no. bit before your parents showed back up. Yeah, returned the kids I mean, in roughly the same condition. I mean, any parent that's sending their kid off into something like this clearly isn't that concerned. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Please don't take that away. My parents were so concerned and so, like I said, lawyers looked over it. I had psychology interviews before. You know, there were most of these parents did. All of these parents were very attentive parents, and that was the thing that frustrated me the most was. Um, people would talk and how could these parents let their kids do this and it's a tv show there's so much that goes into it we had counselors we had doctors we had um there were um what's it called uh psychologists that we could speak to at any time i remember at one point greg broke a brace bracket on in his teeth and they just put him in the van and took him to the dentist and you know took him back that day like it wasn't it, it it wasn't as much of an abuse as it seems like on TV. Um, people were around everywhere, and and the parents knew that, and they were no one was bad parents for letting their child do this thing. It really was just a great adventure that now looking back seems like this crazy thing because of the time period we were in. Right? Does that make sense? It yeah. makes a lot of sense. Well, I always think that your yeah. parents would have never let you go. Oh yeah, I would have never. And yeah. my parents would have been like, "Good luck, kid." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. My dad would have been Enjoy. like, yeah, here's some Purell. God <laughs> help her. Yeah. Make that nation. My, mom, my dad, I remember, he was, uh, thank God he took it seriously because my, my dad, he's had traveled, he's, whoa, he travels for work, so he's been all over, and he was like, I know the desert, I know the desert weather. She needs a heavy coat, she needs heavy boots, she needs hiking jackets, and, and you know, and he really loaded me up with all that stuff that I never would have thought to bring. You know, my mom and I were like looking up cute tank tops and and desert and my hot. dad was like no 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 <laughs> it's gonna be because it was at times probably negative 10 to negative 20 in the morning nope no, and no, then no, no, 95 no. to 105 during the day <laughs> so it was severe and oh my God. i mean i'm sure you were aware my body took a toll and broke out into cold sores like that's how bad it was my my body was like, what is this weather? What are you doing to me? Where is my heat? Where is my? <laughs> That's so much Thank worse than daughter. I could have imagined. Yeah, like I had <laughs> yeah, it pictured it was... of like just under freezing and then like eighty five during the day. That's considerably worse. Well, there was an episode, I believe, the fourth one, where our water pumps just froze. Right. Right. We had a snowstorm and a sandstorm. I guess springtime is the craziest time for the desert for weather, and they were like, "We're gonna film then." <laughs> We're definitely going to take a bunch of kids there. There's definitely nothing that can go wrong. Yeah, let's do it then. Great idea. Uh, The one shot of the show that really sticks out in my brain is the shot of you pushing your jaw closed as you desperately chew bubble gum with braces. And I was like, how did they let this happen? And even though, like, we know you, there were dentists, all I could think of is my parents would have murdered me upon watching that. They'd have been like... That's thousands of dollars of work. 
You are so right. Everything you're saying is right. And every interpretation you have is correct. That's all I have to say. However, my interpretation at, at that time in my brain, and I'm not saying this is the correct interpretation, but at that time in my brain, it was the best thing that had ever happened to me. Not the gum in particular, but the entire experience. Okay. It, it was just so fulfilling and, and, and so eye-opening. Um, and yeah, but the gum at that point, we had, um, had not won a showdown yet. And yeah, it was I desperation. Was, yeah, green was a little hard so, luck starting out. <laughs> I don't know why, girl. I don't know why. Because I look at we were already doing so much work. We, we, we were doing so much, and we just couldn't. I'm a theater girl. I'm not a. I'm not a competitive person. You know, uh, let's all get along and sing Frozen. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> I've been a theater girl. You cannot fool me with that. We're not competitive. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a whole different, that's a whole different. <laughs> I've seen fist fights at the cast list. Don't even try it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, we could have a whole, com- that should be a whole other talk. That should be a whole other <laughs> cast list fights. That could be a series. I would oh, tune absolutely. In every week. <laughs> that's your podcast. You can have that's that. That's my podcast. Been part of that fist fight. <laughs> cast list fights. Um, but I guess in, I wasn't at that point, at least, I wasn't very competitive and I didn't really care. Um, who won or lost the showdowns, which was shitty of me. I should have been a better leader. But at that point, I didn't care. I was like, this is going to be a fun experience, and I'm on TV, and I'm making all these new friends, and my parents aren't telling me what to do. So who cares if we're laborers? Like, I'm in the desert by myself. Fuck all of you. (laughs) Well, speaking of the fact that you were a leader, it's never explained why you're on the council at the beginning of the show. To me either. No one ever told me why. (laughs) They just arbitrarily chose four of you. Let me tell you what happened. I was scheduled to leave March uh, 30th. Excuse me. Yes, March 30th. There's 31 days in March. March 30th, I was scheduled to leave. Filming was supposed to begin April 1st. Filming began April 1st. I got a call probably March 20th, 21st. And they said, hey, um, we actually chose you to be a council leader. We're not really going to tell you what that is or what that means or anything about that, but you're going to be one of the leaders of this town. So we're going to fly you out actually four days earlier. So pack your bags because you're leaving in a couple days. And me, Anjay, Taylor, and Mike flew out to New Mexico four days before everyone else, stayed in a hotel with producers and kid counselors. Like it wasn't just producers. They had counselors that you know worked in the tv industry specifically catered to kids and how to deal with kids in the industry and they were very good they were really really great um and we stayed out there for four days and we weren't this is how crazy it was we weren't allowed to know each other's names taylor was girl one (laughs) i was girl two mike was boy one and anjay was boy two because they wanted our meeting on camera to be very authentic. So they didn't want us to know each other's names. So I knew Mike for four days. I went mini golfing with him and the producers. I went to the movie theater with him and the producers. We went out to many lunches, had a great time getting to know each other. And I had no idea what his name was. At that point, you end up with a nickname. Boy one. Boy one. <laughs> Girl two. Because Mike Blake came in after Taylor's. 
That's wow. how it was decided. That's that's insane. I, I that's that's why my improv partner from college and I call each other red and yellow. Yeah. Because she was the red haired girl trying out and I was the blonde. And we didn't know names. We weren't learning stuff, so it was like, all right, come on, red. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, like they didn't tell us why they chose us, but if you look at it, you can see two boys, two girls, and we're from all four corners of the country. I'm from Massachusetts, Taylor's from Georgia, Anjay's from Texas, Mike's from Seattle. Okay. So I think they were like, let us get a strong type from every area and see what happens. And like I said, I had gotten into a, a verbal argument with a strong conservative Republican producer about the Iraq war. So I think they were like, that's hilarious. Put her in charge. Let's see what happens. <laughs> So, I think they were expecting me to be the tailor. But anyway, continue. I need to ask, just because when we did our review of the show, we kept making light of the fact that at the beginning of the show, Mike is dressed like an evil cowboy. Yeah, he's like in the black hat and the black vest. He looks like he's going to, like, shoot the sheriff. Were, did they costume you? Did they costume you? That was his clothes. We got to bring all of our own clothes. We, I believe we got three shirts. We got to bring, they gave us a list of what we could bring. Three shirts, three pairs of pants, and two pairs of shoes. Um, as many socks as we wanted. I don't think they gave us a limit on socks or underwear or anything like that. No razors, no toothbrushes, no deodorant. And that was it. Really going to send 40 teenagers out into the desert with no deodorant? We smelled horrific. Absolutely <laughs> horrific. Oh, God. But no, they did not costume us. That was uh, that that was that was Mike's choice, and God bless him. <laughs> well, now I feel bad. I called him an evil cowboy so many times because I was like, "Yeah, a producer did that to him." No, he just dresses nope, like an evil cowboy. I could definitely see that being like what a ten or eleven year old boy would think looks cool. He was a boy scout, a big boy scout, so maybe that. Okay. Was his vibe? Oh, I like, you'll look cool. You're like, oh, the all black. I look so cool and mature. Yeah, meanwhile, I was 12 and with braces and was like, just no one look at me. Just don't look at me. Because <laughs> when I was in middle school, I went through this weird, like, business casual phase. Yeah. Like, I showed up to, like, school in little khakis and little sweaters, and now I'm a grown human who wore a Blockbuster t-shirt to work today. <laughs> <laughs> so this, those people hey, crash and burn. Human, I'm a grown human who got peed on at work today. So, you know, I, we all have our things. <laughs> Yeah, at least our students don't pee on us. Yeah, I haven't yeah. been peed on by a student, which is good. Hey, We're... you're missing out. You're missing out. <laughs> It'd be really disturbing because we both work with much older kids. Yeah. You're missing out. No, I'm missing out. <laughs> missing out. Granted, she was three, so we'll let it slide. Okay. So, <laughs> moving away from pee. Uh, yeah. Do you ever truly move away from pee in Kid Nation? There's actually a story about pee with Kid Nation that I won't go into. It. Oh, 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 no. no now now, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> Greg peed in Nathan's canteen at one point. <laughs> That's so mean. Isn't that horrifically mean? Yeah, Isn't that absolutely so horrifically sweet. mean? That's the meanest thing. Noah's losing his mind right now. Noah, Noah has left. passed Noah, away. Noah's so upset he got <laughs> I, I thrown out of the they, shot. They, threw me, they threw me out of. Uh, I, I stopped existing. Noah wanted to die so badly at that revelation, he faded from oh existence. Same. Like, that is the type of shit that me personally. Is not and like I know you're. I'm not. I laugh too, but that's so 
just dehumanizing and shitty and such Absolutely. a bully move. Just a bully move. And I remember that happening and Greg almost got sent home. It was like a whole big thing. Really? Oh, I have so much tea. I have so much tea. But um yeah. I mean it was like because that's her that's disgusting. Oh, and yeah. you, you laugh because and it's actually really shocking because you would think You laugh because doesn't. you don't know what else to do. Yeah. Because you would think by and that like, point, there's, like a fifteen year old would not pee in what a ten year old's That's why it's really hard to say because like when I think about Greg at that time at that time I thought of Greg as an insecure pussy. Um He was a which is kind boy, of boy, which which in that came out in his macho little ways, you know, and I should have fucked him up at the time because I probably could have. But anyway, now he's a different person and I don't know him very well now, but I know he's a father. I know he has kids. I know. Um, so I would never, ever want to speak badly about someone's father. You know what right. I mean? And like I said, I, I don't know Greg anymore. I can only talk about Greg from when I knew him as a 15 year old and some 15 year olds can be shitty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I, I really think he, based on what I've seen, he's matured and he's grown. And, um, you know, I can't talk about him now. I can only talk about him then. Right. Does that make sense? Right. But I don't think he looks back on those actions fondly from what I understand. Right. No, that I, makes sense. I can't imagine, especially not so much eight to 10, but 12 to 15, I cannot imagine being frozen in amber at that point in my life because that was peak terrible for me like that was the worst yeah the worst i was a 12 year old theater girl that's like that's that's oh that's that's a 12 year old theater bullying is in therapy (laughs) (laughs) yes again it's like it violates the geneva convention some of the stuff you do in middle school theater for real oh yeah but I guess uh, I knew Greg. It, it, there may be a, more questions about Greg, but that is basically my thoughts about him. No, we won't kind of really get into specifics about different kids, just because I know that I, I keep thinking about it really um, empathetically of, I cannot imagine having this be my like claim to fame. And who were you at 12? Awful! Or, you know. And that's why, you know, many of us look back on some of these things that full-grown adults have said about us online in 2007, being like, do you realize you're talking about a 10-year-old? I think you know, about that a really, lot with Taylor. I think about that a lot with Taylor. Yeah, oh my I God. Cannot my cannot imagine Taylor. I believe she had to be taken out of school because the bullying was so bad. I, I, oh, I didn't I, know that. I, that's so sad. It was really bad. They, they were, the CBS was horrible to that little girl. Yeah. And really horrible. I said during the podcast where like I was doing research on everybody, I was like, it seems like Taylor is not on any social media. And Oh, she's on oh I, she's big on I have her on all social media. Oh really? Oh well then she's hiding from me because I couldn't oh, find she her. Maybe she may be because people are so horrible to her. I the entire thing I just I could not help but think about being a sassy, crappy 10-year-old and having that follow me forever. to fame, that 40 days, that six weeks, where you're stripped away from your family for the very first time. I mean, she was, the first few days, she was sad. She missed her mom because she was 10. And you're right. hungry and you're cold and you're yes, scared. Who be and who wouldn't be rude? And who wouldn't be 
you know, I don't want to do chores right now. I just want my bed and my mom. I and was a I under- counselor when I was double her age, and I was monstrous after not getting sleep <laughs> yeah. for four days. However, however, on the other side of the coin, the green team and the red team and the blue team were going through the same exact thing and didn't act like her. That's you true. know what I mean? <laughs> she was a beauty queen, and she made that very clear from the first day. And that's not said as a diss by any means. I don't mean that to put her down. Mm. I just mean that is her, you know... That's, she was a pageant girl, and she was prim and prop, not prim and proper, but, you know, she also, she was in beauty pageants and then shot deer at night. It was a very strange dichotomy. It was very She could strange. shoot deer at night, but go home and clean herself off. Yeah. And- Absolutely. Um, so she wasn't used to that. She wasn't used to working hard. She wasn't used to, whereas I, like I said, had two parents from the projects, and their parents were immigrants from Ireland, and... Working hard was just kind of in my bones. It wasn't a shock to me to, you know, like I said, there was always food on the table. I never went hungry. We had plenty of money and plenty of everything. But I understood people suffered because I knew my parents had suffered. My parents had gone without. Whereas there are other people whose parents and them have never gone without. Mm -hmm. So when they didn't have, it was a shock to the system. There's a scrappiness. There's a scrappiness, exactly. And in, in me, even though I, like I said, I always had food, I always had clothes, I had more than enough, but my parents did not. So that is still in me to be able to withstand that, if that makes sense. Gotcha, gotcha. Whereas I think, luckily for Taylor and her family, and I say this literally like, luckily, they had plenty of money and no one ever really struggled. So her struggling was a shock to the system. Absolutely. Whereas my struggling, my you know, jeans went back to the potato famine in Ireland and they were like, oh, we know what's going on here. We're just going to, we're going to kick into gear. We ain't got food. We ain't got clothes. We ain't got warmth. We know this. <laughs> I, I got that vibe from Sophia a lot as well. Sophia was a Jewish queen and we need to bow down to her every day. <laughs> I, I adored her. Uh, I, she I definitely had that vibe day. of just like, this is my suffering. This is my uh. lot in life. I want her to teach every gender studies class forever. Like, I just adore Sophia. I could, she's a genius and kind and so funny. So, so, so funny. It's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, just a wonderful person. So, staying on kind of the same topic, who do you think got the least accurate edit? This is the one thing I always have to say. I... I never watched the show and was shocked at the editing. Really? No. Everything that happened happened. Really happens as it as it played out. Um and people ask me that like, you know, who came out so differently than what you thought? Nobody. Everybody I everything that I saw on TV that I didn't said was very accurate to how it had happened. Every other event was very accurate for the most part to how it had happened. Um what you saw was what you got. And I can't speak for other reality TV shows. People who've been on reality TV shows have all said different things. They've said it's scripted. They've said producers have told them what to say. I can only speak from my experience, and that was not the experience I had. I was never fed lines. I was never told what to do or what to say or how to act. They were kind of flies on the wall just watching the action happen. Um, so no, there was no one I believe was ever portrayed inaccurately. Were there kids that you were surprised you didn't see very much of in the final? Yes, 
Oh my God, yes. And we all talk about it. The red team, Maggie. Maggie on the red district. She was this super cool 14-year-old goth girl from Minnesota. And she had like pink hair and she introduced me to the Cranberries and Garbage, the two bands. Nice. I remember at that at that time she was like, You gotta look up these two bands, and I can't I went home and looked them up when I was twelve. Um, and she was just so cool and so fun and everyone loved her. And she was a big part of the community and a big part of the town and a big part of the experience, but she was never a council leader, she never won a gold star, and she wasn't a bitch. So gotcha. that's not very interesting TV. She was a really great person who everyone loved. And unfortunately, her genius and her, she was super artistic and just super cool. And um, that whole vibe, I think, would have been really cool for young kids to see at that time. Because she had like pink and purple hair. And she was so proud of her different nature. And she loved all this cool music. And, you know, she was just the best. And um, it's really unfortunate that she didn't get the camera time she deserved. Because I found that super interesting because there were 40 kids and we really only get to know about 20 of them, maybe? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's really hard to get to know uh, uh, 40 kids when there's only 13 episodes, I believe. Right. 13. So 13. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't do anything shocking, um, that's not interesting. And you mentioned the gold stars. Was there any time where they tried to influence the gold star at all? or? Yes. Only once. Okay. Um, it was, I don't remember exactly the, the, the day, but um, it was between Pharaoh and Nathan. Okay. And Nathan ended up getting it. And we really wanted to give it to Pharaoh because we knew not only was Pharaoh such a hard worker, such a kind, warm soul, and, and just um, a friend to everyone, and just like a really, like, in touch with his emotions kind of dude, if that makes sense. Like he was, we had a religious service, like a, that episode. And at the end he was crying being like, this touched me that we all were able to come together and talk about our different religious backgrounds. And, you know, he was the best and he came from a really poor background and a single mom. And I remember us really wanting to give him the gold star, but this was also around the same time. I believe this is what I have been led to understand that Greg peed in Nathan's canteen. <laughs> oh. I know you're laughing, I know. And so we were really pushed to give it to Nathan because I remember we we had taken a vote and it was between Pharaoh and Nathan. So it's not like we just, you know, right. give it to whoever. They were the two. But it came down to a tie between the town and we wanted to break the tie and give it to Pharaoh. And we were very much urged to go the other way. This makes sense why, out of nowhere, Greg is suddenly supporting Nathan in that episode. Probably because yeah, he got yelled at. about that, he was probably handed a script. Yeah. I mean, or basically verbatim told what to say, because none of that was authentic. And okay. based on that with Pharaoh, like, Pharaoh, based on what you're saying, was a good kid and fell into the same the issues as Maggie. Of Absolutely. He didn't annoy the hell out of anybody. So he, you know, we loved him. Yeah, so that he, he didn't get a lot of TV. He didn't I get a lot of TV. Michael had an AMA where he talks about wanting to give one of the final gold stars to Pharaoh. Yeah, they should have. They were overruled apparently. 
According they didn't have enough footage on him. They didn't have enough footage. People would have been like, who the hell is Pharaoh? I mean, about halfway through the series, they start introducing a few kids we hadn't seen before. Yeah. So I had a list of like, who are these kids? Yeah. Kennedy kind like, of magically shows up halfway through. Yes, yes. Uh, there was a couple other that were like halfway through yeah. stars that just kind of came out of nowhere. Right, right. And it's Pharaoh's the one that just kind of got uh I feel bad that I wasn't at the time as a 12-year-old able to overrule producers. <laughs> but I mean that, you know, I I tried my best, but I didn't have the tools to I know I shouldn't have to justify it. I was No, there. absolutely not. Well, speaking of arguing with the producers, the 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 story in Olivia's book is that you went to war with the producers about uh, trading team members. Ooh, we're getting into that. Yeah, at that point, I had had it. This is very <laughs> shortly. This was very shortly after the Pharaoh incident, and okay. um, at this point in the show, uh, and I think this is true to editing and true to what you see on TV. I'm pretty much it kind of goes along with the flow. Like, I'm not super, uh, well, I wouldn't say I'm not super confrontational, but I was shown in a good light. Is that fair to say? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You definitely got a very yeah. good edit, yeah. as they would say. There's a reason because we picked you to interview. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty sure you wouldn't I, murder us. No, I don't have any intentions on murdering you. Hooray! Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and at that point... Role. I remember thinking to myself, I read that journal entry and at 12 year old me was like, I'm fucking done. I have done everything these producers have asked me to do. I have gotten up early, way earlier than I wanted to in my pubescent mind. I mean, who wants to get up at six when they're 12, 13, 14? Mm -hmm. I want to get up at six now, but especially at that time. I smiled and answered all their interview questions. I went along and, and was the, the do-gooder green district leader. I did everything I had to do. And at that point, they said to me, we're going to split up your best friends. And I said, no. No. I haven't protested anything at this point. However, I look back and I judge myself, judge yourself as a 12-year-old, but still, I judge myself saying I should have been more open-minded on accepting people into my team. However, all I could think of was someone taking one of my own. Does that make sense? Oh, totally, um, totally. Which was selfish and absolutely. Um, but at that point, it was kind of a kind of a fuck you to the producers. Like, I have done everything you've wanted me to do without any pushback whatsoever. The only thing I want is for me and my best friends to stay together and lose. It's not like we were winning challenge after challenge after challenge. You know what I mean? Like if we were the superstar winning team, that would be a different story. We lost constantly. Like it's yeah. not like... It's funny because it's after the like, shakeup, you guys do actually, your fortunes do improve. Maybe, the same I don't know. people, but you guys seem to do yeah. better. In you figure it challenge. out. I got stronger in that of like, I just said like... No, I stood up the t to the producers, and yeah, we got into an argument. They, At that point, this was very shortly after they pushed me to give the gold star to someone I didn't want to give it to, when I really wanted to give it to someone else. And then a couple days later, they were pushing me again to do something else I didn't want to do. And I stood up and I said, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. 
you can, I looked, they were like, you have to. And I just looked at them and I said, no, no I, don't. I think I said, I actually think my exact words were make me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and suddenly then you're said, getting voted off the council. <laughs> no, but then I think they said, this is an interesting storyline that we didn't expect, but let's go with it. Yeah. And then they were okay with it. But no, I, I, I did. I stood up to them because I, in my 12 year old mind, bowed down to them a lot and did whatever they wanted me to do. And sure. this was shortly after they made me give $20,000 to someone who was worthy, but didn't need the money. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So yeah. my, I was, I was upset. So going along the lines of like that producer interference, did any of the showdowns feel particularly rigged for or against you guys winning? I can't say that they were rigged because, uh, but some of them were just really hard, really, really, really hard. Like having us do extensive things that were really, and and sometimes we were out in the cold or out in the really hot weather for extensive periods of time. And I can't say that they were rigged, but there were definitely things that I think producers probably looked at later on and said, that was probably too hard for a nine-year-old to do. Okay. Because we have a few conspiracy theories we wanted to float oh, your exactly. way. Uh, the carry your weight challenge, where you're dragging rocks with a sled. Uh, uh-huh. I couldn't help but notice they never showed us how many rocks you left behind. Do, do you feel like they gave you enough rocks to win? I, I can't. I, ooh, I don't know. You're testing my memory on that. I don't know. It Probably was 13 not. years ago. I get it. I remember being shocked at, I will say, I don't think every single team had the same weight of rocks. Oh. Because okay. I remember having, we put in a lot of rocks. I remember, mm-hmm. and it was really heavy. And then they weighed it out, and we had like the least amount of something about that to this day. And this isn't even me like trying to save my ass or anything like that. But something about it to this day doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, I, Olivia I, takes I, a lot of exception to that in her book. She thinks that like it was rigged against the kids. I I. I can't say extensively if it was, but there were certainly things that I look back and going, why do you think a nine-year-old would be able to do this in that time frame? I couldn't do it now in that time frame. <laughs> and not only kids, but like admittedly malnourished, exhausted kids. Yeah. 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 I should reread Olivia's book. I haven't read it in about probably 14 months. I, need, I should have refreshed my memory. Um, if there's anything else from Olivia's book that you want clarified, uh, please let me know. I, I kind of used it to just like inform. My, I'm not going to be like in Olivia's book on page two hundred. No, no, no. I, I was, I, Olivia and I are friends to this day, and I think she's a great person, and I think she produced a, a really good book. So it's really good. You know, it's I, very well written. I do think it's very I, funny that she's so close to Anjay now. It's the be- Anjay is the coolest kid. Okay, not only. Does he look like a hot Bollywood Indian actor now? He got that Neville Longbottom situation. He really did. He was the the rough kid, and now it's like, oh my god, Anjay, what is up? And and now he's like leading Microsoft. He's hot and smart and rich and single. 
girls, ladies, 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 I'm vouching for him. He's a great man. He is kind. He is smart. He is respectful. He's a feminist. Go to his DMs right now. I'm I'm telling you, Laurel from Kid Nation is telling you. Putting that stamp of approval. Yeah, seriously. Go slide into Anjay's DMs. Links in the comments below to Anjay's Twitter. Hit him up. Anjay is the only man that I'm like, oh, oh, Anjay, you don't, she's not good enough for you. Like, she's not. (laughs) So who do you keep in contact with? Anjay. um, Kennedy, Morgan, DK, Olivia are my, like, five homies um Mm -hmm. olivia i mean not olivia kennedy morgan and i have a group chat we talk all the time um i actually saw kennedy back in november in florida or i'm sorry in april i was in florida in november and april i saw her in april in florida um and we did a some tiktoks together and some kid nation videos together um when she was living in florida and i went and visited and yeah we talk all the time dk and i were just chatting today he is on chicago fire Mm -hmm. just Living his best life in the way for POCs and LGBTs and the alphabet mafias and everyone else. And, and he's doing the goddamn thing. And we're so proud of him. Uh, so there, there is one thing from Olivia's book that I would actually love for you to clarify. Could, sure. you, could you tell me any stories about Benny, the child destroyer? I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. No! <laughs> Apparently, that's what, like, Mallory called a producer. Benny, the child destroyer? Uh, there, apparently, there was a producer that would make you cry named Benny. I think I just had balls of steel. Uh, I mean, no one could make... I mean, the thought of, even at 12, the thought of someone making me cry was funny. <laughs> to this day, the thought of another human making me cry by the words that come out of their mouth (laughs) is funny. And I think that's the attitude everyone should have. Makes sense. (laughs) So Um, you were never child destroyed. No, if anything, I adult destroyed. I was not child destroyed. If anything, I was the type of kid that would look at you and be like, does your wife even love you anymore? Like, you know, it wasn't, (laughs) you went home crying because of me. It wasn't the other way around. I feel like Laurel and I are, like, very similar. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say, I got from your vibe. I was like, this girl and I, we're fucking friends. Like, we're (laughs) I made my dentist cry at 12. Oh, yeah. So we said that, I was like. (laughs) Mike, adult, cry. (laughs) To be fair, if a 12-year-old girl can make you cry, maybe rethink being a dentist. It's, That's very true. They don't test on that. And um, uh, sorry, I got I got off track. Benny the Child Destroyer. I I never no, I heard didn't. of that. I no producer ever made me cry. Again, I grew up with parents from the projects who gave me such balls of steel that I didn't know what to do with them. Um, so it could have happened. I don't know who that is. Okay, but it could have happened. Well, then speaking well, of tears. The episode where the prize is letters from your parents. I'm so, I can't believe you just said that because my mom just called me and I hit end. Can I call her back? Sure. Sure. If you want, we can take a little break. Sure, if you we, want. we have a question for your mom. No, no, no. We can keep recording. Okay. I, I would legitimately oh, love to know if your mom knew that that letter was going to be used as like a prize. Uh, yeah. Let's find that. We'll ask her. <laughs> All right. 
I thought it was going to be till about 6.30. I'm actually on a podcast interview right now. Um, Hi, Laurel's uh, mom. Hi, Laurel's mom. Can you, good? can you hear them? Hi. They just said hi. We're being filmed right now. It's with a, a, a podcast, someone with a cool podcast on Twitter talking about Kid Nation and they were asking me questions about you and our phone call. No, no, no. Say it again. They're not asking me about that, but you called right as, uh, you know, they were asking about families. And I explained how there was a very big contract that was sent to you and that you were a paralegal and you had lawyers look over it and that it was a solid contract, correct? It was a what contract? A solid contract. Yeah, in their favor. <laughs> in their favor. Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. I, I figured, you know, no, you, you, you were fine. I was fine. I'm not on the year, right? No. Oh, no. I mean, you know, I was okay with it. Yeah. You know, I sent Dad out there for like the first week to work around it, you know, but other than that, it was all good. It was all good. Yeah, it was all good. <laughs> anyway, how was work? Work was good. <laughs> Just checking in. What's up for tonight? Uh, not much. Uh, Em's not here, so I'm probably going to finish out this interview and um, go to bed. on hold? Yeah, they're on hold. Okay. Um, all right. Call me later. I'm at work. All right. Love you. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Sorry about that. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. That was my favorite. I'm hold on. The air, am I? <laughs> Everybody be cool. Let me... Uh, she's got a re-headphone. Let me get my headphone back in. Sorry, I thought she was going to say something cooler or funnier, and she didn't. Sometimes yeah, you kept she you catch Peggy off guard, and, and she says some hilarious shit, but she must have been in a good mood, so I don't know. Well, I have to ask, did she know that the letter written to you was going to be a prize? No. She had no idea? They just said, we want you to write a letter to her. That, That's all they said. That was one of those moments that felt really monstrous of the producers. And and I have to say, from a parent's point of view, just hearing my mom's voice in this second brings back memories of her telling me um, once I had come home how difficult it was for her to have me away for so long and for her to not be able to speak to me. Um, I think as a mother, especially with a, a young daughter, that's really shocking and detrimental. And um, I remember my dad actually telling me, um, even though I missed you so, so, so much, I really had to be a rock for your mom because if I wasn't there for her through your six weeks gone, I don't think she would have really made it. And I, I needed to be strong for her. And it made me Real, not, not only, I mean, I always, I have so much respect for my father, but just even in that point, seeing him be, such the the good masculinity, the good rock, the good, the non-toxic, you know, way to take charge and take care of your woman. Yeah, being a good partner. Being a good partner, regardless of gender. I'm saying, you know, just woman mm. because it was his woman. But, you know, um, he, I'm not, he pushed down his own feelings 
because he knew they weren't as strong as hers. Does right. that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I respect him to this day for being that rock for her for six weeks that she really needed. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know, no, so, so fuck dad dads. Yeah. Fuck Ooh. dad dads. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Dads don't get enough credit. And a good dad, oh, will set you up for life. That's a great thing to have a good yeah. dad. And I have the best dad. And I got enough topic now. At, no, as a girl, having dad who's going to teach you, like, you stand up for yourself. You, you know, take no shit. Oh, I'm a, I'm a bisexual woman. So, you know, I'm, I'm with a, I'm in a relationship with a woman right now, oh. but I've had, oh yes, I have a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, of three years, Emily, she's absolutely wonderful, Aww. but I've had many boyfriends in the past and it was really great for me to grow up. Uh, this is just getting personal now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> just to, to grow up with my dad because that was my first introduction to a, a male, you know, every girl, you look at a dad, that's your first introduction to a male, vice versa, you know, for a boy, you look at your mom, that's your first introduction. If you end up being a heterosexual person, whatever. And he was so kind to my mom and so good to my mom and really showed me that a man isn't someone who yells and screams and throws his dick around. A man is someone who, works hard and is kind to his wife and who is there for his children. So that's what I now expect from my partner. You know what I that mean? So I just think it's really good. I'm sorry. I got a little emotional talking to my mom. I hadn't talked to her. I apologize. Um, but I'm just really proud that I had two parents who loved each other and respected each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because my brother saw my mom being good to my dad and I saw my dad being good to my mom. So now we both expect the same out of our partners. Does that make sense? That Absolutely. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like yeah. I, I was <laughs> to like, you know, just because somebody has alleged authority does not mean that they actually have authority. Absolutely. Do what you have not. to take Everyone them out. Has, you have a voice and you should use it. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame if you don't. Now we're getting deep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a little fine. I the wine and I, I heard my mom's voice and I haven't seen her in about six weeks and, you know. So her voice Just, made yeah. you cry? She made you cry yes. with her voice? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Peggy the child is still here. I'm 26, and hearing my mom's voice still brings me to tears. What am I going to say? I saw my mom this morning. Like, yeah. what am I going to say? I'm going to call oh, my mom jealous, right after this. Jealous. <laughs> my mom lives, you know, four and a half hours away. But anyway, back my to questions. Back to questions. I'm so away, off topic. So. I'm so sorry. That's that's quite all right. We're having a good time talking with it. This is yes, what the show we're just should chatting, be. So, giving opinions. Uh, I do have to ask: Do you still have the gold star? I do in Massachusetts home, uh, not not unfortunately in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey home. Okay. Oh, you didn't like take all of your childhood mementos with you when you moved into your. Place. Unfortunately, I did not. My, I still have my bandana. I still have the gold star. I still have my mom actually saved the outfit she picked me up in. Oh, did she? And wash she it? put it in like a little. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's disgusting. <laughs> We don't open it, but yeah. it's in the house. <laughs> it just never ages. It just never ages. But um, yeah, it was a, a hard period for her to go through to not be able to have, because she wasn't allowed to speak to me for six right. weeks. Um, so, I mean, that I remember her. She literally says I, I, for a good two years after that, had a little, you know, PTSD of like, I needed to know where you were and I needed to 
constantly be around you and she was a little overbearing and you know I just oh and 13 I, 14 I, those are the exact years you want mom to be overbearing that's yeah. the exact years you want mom to be overbearing you know but I give her a lot of credit for really backing off once I got into high school because I know that wasn't easy for her because right. of, of what she went through I mean her daughter was kind of like taken from her in a way for 40 days and you weren't able to speak to her and you didn't know what was going on and that's really scary and did your parents get any like backlash from people they knew about like letting no you one know? we knew no one we knew because everyone knew our family and and we were very well known fairly liked family in the area and they knew we weren't crazy or like child star type of people um i begged my parents to let me go they didn't want to let me go right like it, it wasn't they weren't like you know we can't wait to have you on tv and send they were like absolutely not you know i think they took me to the first few auditions thinking like oh this will be a cool experience for her but she's not actually gonna get on but sure we'll take her to the auditions it'll be great to have her you know get in front of adults and answer some questions why not and then it kept going and then it kept going and then I kept getting phone calls and then it kept getting narrower and narrower. And then all of a sudden it was 60 kids. And all of a sudden my parents were like, oh, she's she's getting picked. Oh, yeah. And they, and they had to, to really take it seriously. And they were really afraid. I mean, I think I think for about 10 years after my mom still questioned her decision of did I do the right thing? You know, yeah. and I I know she did. And I know it was the most beneficial experience for me. But she didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know if I would be portrayed like Taylor or if I would be portrayed in a light that people would just attack me. And we know how cyberbullying can be and what the horrific results can be. Self-harm, the horrific and terrible suicide. You know, she just didn't know. And she told me her mind went to all those places, as a mom's mind does. And she just... She said it, it made a difference about three weeks before I was scheduled to fly out. And she said, you grabbed me by my wrists. I don't even remember this. She was telling me this recently. She said, you grabbed me by my wrists. And you said to me, if you don't let me do this, I will regret it for the rest of my life. And then she said at that point, I said, okay, you can go. That is definitely like 12-year-old language. Of oh, like, yeah. I'll regret it forever. <laughs> forever. Uh, Which I would have. And it's actually really interesting that you're talking about, like, the long-term effects and the social media. Because what do you think about the fact that in 2020, during quarantine, Kid Nation seems to have discovered this strange resurgence? Um, really crazy. I had no idea. This This was something that was kind of really in my rear view. It was a really cool experience. It was fun to be on TV for a little bit. Um, I had done theater. I had done a couple of national commercials in high school. Which was cool, but other than that, I mean, I wasn't a famous person <laughs> by any means. I'm still not, but this random resurgence, yeah, it was it was a little weird. Um, very cool and very interesting, but I think it just, because we were all so isolated, and I don't know how, do you know how it came back into I have popularity? a theory. I have a we theory. Think we me, please, please tell me because I have no idea how it happened. Uh, Funny or Die released a video called The Worst Reality Show Ever Made where they covered the first episode yeah. and that video blew up. <laughs> That's what, it had like 2 million views or something yeah. like that. So I remember that. Yeah, they, yeah they've definitely. only covered the first five episodes. We covered the whole series, just saying. Uh, you but, covered the whole series? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. 
This was our first three-parter, I guess technically four, because... I mean, I looked on your Twitter, and I was looking for videos, and I couldn't find it. Oh. I retweeted Should I just... Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. I was also looking on the train when I was getting intermittent service. Yeah, I I think she might have looked at my Twitter, and I may have failed to have retweeted, but... Oh, um, yes, I was only looking at your Twitter. You are correct. I will make sure I look at the... Okay, that's where I went wrong. Yes, because I was like... It was, it was like, it was like, uh, three, two hour reviews where we just looked at every episode and kind of broke down. And basically the, the premise of our show is that we watch shows that lasted one season or less and decide if they should have come back or if they should just stay doomed. So as someone who was on this show, if Kid Nation were to come back tomorrow, do you think it would be a good thing? Or is it better that it was just the one season and it's done? Kid Nation is necessary for this generation of children. Okay. I, you know, I can kind of see that idea. I, I argued against it because as much as I found the show interesting, I could not ethically put 40 kids through it. Understandable. Let me let me explain from my from my perspective. Absolutely. And I I'm a teacher. I'm an assistant teacher at a preschool, and I live in uh, I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. But my my life is in New York City. Right now, I work with a lot of poor kids. But throughout my career as a teacher, I worked with many 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 extremely wealthy children. Their attitudes were piss poor. I mean, and, they, and and I'm not just saying that they just weren't set up for like success because everything is just, and I'm not, uh, um, this isn't coming from like, oh, everyone, I'm mad that everyone gets a participation trophy. It's not about that. It's about mommy is aware of everything that goes on at school. Mommy is aware, mommy knows teachers' emails. Mommy knows you have to give Mommy is aware of everything that's going on in your life, and that's not good. That's not setting kids up for success. I work with a lot of, I worked with a lot of wealthy children, and they're being held back because shit is just handed to them, and they can't be on their own, and they're terrified of doing certain things, and they can't do for themselves. You know, I remember being younger, and I'm sure you guys do as well. The whole thing was, I want to do it myself. No, mom, don't do it for me. I want to do it myself. Now I'm seeing as a preschool teacher, these kids are saying, do it for me. I don't want to do it. Do it for me. Mm-hmm. Where, in my opinion as an educator, the wealthy children are being handed a lot and not being set up to be able to take care of themselves gotcha. in the long run. There's some crucial so life like, skills they're not. There's some crucial life skills they're not getting. And Kid Nation, when you're stripped of everything, right? You're stripped of your personality, uh, not your personality, but your hometown. No one cares about your hometown. No one cares who your friends are. No one cares how popular you are in middle school. You don't have your fancy clothes. You don't have makeup. You don't have your hair straighteners. You don't have your snapbacks. You don't have anything. You got a t-shirt and a pair of jeans and your personality. That's all you got. And you got to bring it and you got to make people like you. Mm. A lot of kids would struggle with that today because their whole identities are technology and, and, and are fabricated things. And do I think Kid Nation would work today as a TV show? No. 
Do I think the experience of Kid Nation is important? Sending kids away for a few weeks and taking away their cell phone, taking away their video games, taking away the, all of those comforts that make us feel so warm and squishy and saying, figure it the fuck out. I think that's the best thing for them. All right. I because think, yeah, maybe like no, with indoor plumbing and a bed. <laughs> oh, um, I'm being dramatic. I'm being dramatic. I, I, I definitely think that independence, having those independent experiences is really helpful. Yeah. Because I know I was one of those, I was a feral kid who lived in the woods and that's a whole. I'm a city kid and a feral kid. We, we there's similarities and differences, but we might yeah. yeah like, on I was like in the woods, like in trees, like hello, <laughs> different jumps. Hello, yes, yeah. And like, I was like chasing down foxes. Like it's <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm gonna catch a fox and make it my friend. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. It didn't work. But different, like be on your own. You mm. know what I mean. So, so let it be known, Laurel wants to throw children into pits <laughs> yes. of baked beans and pigs and have them no. fend for themselves. I want children to not have their cell phone for a week, <laughs> is what I want. Yeah, I think I that, want to, that experience is really I think important. everyone could benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, that like summer camp type like, okay. And what I will say of, of why Kid Nation, uh, this is my big philosophy thing that I have to Don't get in. Absolutely. Um, my, my, my big kid nation takeaway was like i said i was stripped of my identity i didn't have my i'm from boston nobody cared about that nobody cared where you were from they didn't care about who how many friends you had they didn't care what you looked like they didn't care what your clothes were you just had your personality and i was able to connect with people from all over the country i was best friends with a kid a black kid from the south side of chicago best friends with a christian girl from indiana best friends with a Jewish girl from Florida, best friends with a Lithuanian immigrant from Chicago. You know, like it just, we were all, it sounds so cheesy, but when we were really stripped of all those little idiosyncrasies of where you're from and what you look like, and when we're all just doing the same shit, we were all just people. It was like a beautiful hippie commune in a way, is what I took from it, is mm. we just all became best friends and we loved each other so much and it didn't matter what color or religion like none of that shit we just loved each other and it showed me that that is a possible society it's possible because i've seen it be possible yeah i think I all of the things that are the worst things about kid nation are the things the adults did yeah the editing and the the forced twists and things like that are what ruined I mean, kid nation core, they threw that religion episode on us, and and we ended up saying, let's just have a beautiful campfire where we all talk about where we come from. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's so Wouldn't interesting. Wouldn't that be just a good episode? Wouldn't that be <laughs> like, nice? That was our idea. Mm -hmm. it, it's so interesting seeing the ways they tried to, the producers would try to start fires. Because I thought that like treasure hunt was also them absolutely trying to start drama. And then you guys were like, we oh. bought toys for everybody. And everyone was like, cool. And then it was just a non-issue. And then we just moved on. Yeah. <laughs> but that was clearly supposed to be the big fight of the episode. Yeah. And yeah. you guys and were like, was, all right, we're just going to use this money. And, you know, people had been talking about how they were bored. And we were like, we have all these goods and all these toys. Wouldn't it be a good idea if we took this money and just bought a bunch of things and then gave it to everyone? Mm-hmm. 
and I think the producers were like, "Wow, they had a they had a really logical response to this." <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely moments where I can tell that the kids' natural inclinations absolutely thwarted what the producers thought they would do. They really thought we were all going to kill each other, and and I, and a lot of our fights were them interfering, right, and and making a fight because, like, in many other interviews, what what interviews. Interviews. Sorry, my, my accent's coming out. Interviews. Um, I say, we all really got along. We were just a bunch of kids hanging out for the most part. And then that got boring. So they were like, let's throw a conflict in the middle and make them fight when we wouldn't have fought otherwise, you know? Yeah. Like when Greg and Blaine, like, overhear the Green District, something about they that. They producers told them to stand there. Thank you. Nailed it. Thank you. I was so sure of that. And the producers told us to talk about them. Oh, my God. Did you know they were standing out there? No. <laughs> oh, that's wrong. Ugh, the I whole thing was, was so, that whole thing was really, like, greasy and seedy. And, like, I look mm-hmm. back on the producers and I'm like, how do you sleep with yourselves at night? Yeah. Noah's really smug because he called that. I called it. I was like, this was pretty. No, yeah, that was it. all orchestrated. How would they have known we, were, we weren't talking about them? Mm-hmm. They made us talk about them, and then all of a sudden they were standing. It was all orchestrated. I, I'm so glad to hear you say that because my other worry was that they had just been doing this the whole time, and this was no! the first time. And I would have been like, that's really terrible. No, no, that was, no, not at all. Go. I mean, I... I don't even think we were really bitching about it that much. Like I said, towards the end, after like day 15, we were all just like, hey, we're all friends. Like, it looks so dramatic on TV, but really behind the scenes, 90% of the time, it's just us hanging out in bunkhouses and talking and talking about where we're from and our friends and playing truth or dare and kissing each other. And, you know, it was very innocent. Ooh. Hoochie yes, kiss, I Yes, I did have my first kiss on Kid Nation. Oh, who was it? A lot of us did. A lot of us did. Um, I kissed Blaine. Oh, that's a yellow district. That's a yellow district. I also kissed Hunter, who I will marry Hunter tomorrow. And congrats, Hunter. Yeah, we were all kissing each other. I didn't kiss any girls at that point. I didn't know I was uh, half gay then. But um, I... (laughs) Queer? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Let's go queer. Kinsey three. Uh, a solid whoever will text me back is. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're gonna kiss me and text me back, I yeah, let's date. I don't know. I'm very easy. <laughs> I think that's, isn't that like Kiki Palmer's thing of like I love whoever loves me. Yeah, yeah. Just get yeah. at me and, and we're good. Yeah. I'm listen. Maybe I'm a Leo rising, so maybe that's it. Like mm. I just. If you give me attention, I'm a sucker for it. And if you're going to love me, I'm going to love you back. Whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, whether you're not binary, transgender, a fucking owl. Well, no, not an owl. That's bestiality. But, you know. <laughs> that was a jump. That, yeah, that was a jump. That was a quick jump. But my, my point is, the, the I love whoever loves me. <laughs> so the kids are doing the sheep. Wait. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, God. The kids are doing the sheep. The kids, they're fucking the dogs. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Is there anything from our patrons that we wanted to ask before we... Uh... They actually, they wanted to know the best part of your experience. Oh. What was your favorite the thing? Best, 
the best part of my experience was seriously just, it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. It sounds like a Hallmark card, but it's the truth. Um, we're all the same as humans is what I took away from my experience. Um, like I said, I was best friends with people from all over the, the country and we all wanted the same things. We all wanted to be liked and accepted. We all wanted to find love one day. We all wanted to maybe have a family and, and just be happy and have friends. And once you take everything away, that's the only thing I keep saying is you take away all the bullshit, the cell phones, the makeup, the, the fancy clothes, throw yourself in the middle of the woods and just talk to each other. We're all the same as humans. And it's unfortunate that politics and the media and, and all these these stupid, trivial little policies have stripped us apart from the fact that we're the same species. We just look different, but we all want the same things on the inside. And that's what I learned at 12. So Kid Nation ultimately did prove you could make a better society with kids than adults. Yeah. I That was my takeaway. Oh no, they were right. They were right the whole time. <laughs> Kids so, don't care if you're black or white or gay or straight or trans or Hispanic or Muslim. If you're down to play and hang out and that's all that matters. Yeah, they just want a pogo stick on posters and stuff. We just We just want a pogo stick and yellow tailor. And if you're down to do that <laughs> and then you're down to do that too. And hang out with the chickens. Yeah. And hang out with the chickens. <laughs> so where can people I will find say, you? Okay. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. It's just, um, I will say, regarding Taylor, um, I think she is a, a, a study that should be taught in feminist classes. Because I think at 10 years old, she told 39 people to go fuck themselves. And that's incredible. And we need to instill that in our daughters. I mean, when I, start now. There's actually a point where the Council of Doom, as you called it, they're all confronting Taylor, and Taylor's like, no! Taylor's literally like, suck my ass. And, yeah, <laughs> and I, respect, I respect the shit out of Taylor at 10 years old. I really do. Yelling at four yeah. 14-year-old boys. Yeah. Listen, look at, look at it. I know when you first watch the show, you're like, oh, Taylor's a bitch. Look at it in a different way of like, this girl don't give a shit. No. She gives no fucks, and I kind of want my daughter to be like that. Yeah. She cares about her beautiful chicken god. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. She cares about what she's true to her values, and I respect that. Yeah, the pretty chickens live. <laughs> yeah, pretty chickens live. We need we need what animal makeup. <laughs> I actually think those may have been producer fed lines as well. The chickens being sense. pretty. Yeah, I, I don't just, think Taylor ever I like that said she had a favorite like chicken. That. Probably. Like, Taylor, I related Taylor, to that. Listen, I know Taylor, I, a lot of people say, I don't know anything about Taylor's political ideologies. It's not my business. I don't care. She's a cool person. She's a nice girl. When I met her at the time, she was really nice to me. And, and she got a bullshit edit. She's a strong girl. And I respect her. And listen, it's unfortunate that she got so much shit mm. as a 10 year she was 10 yeah 10 years old she got the villain cut. And, and, and there were 45 year old men online being like that girl's a bitch i mean you're seeing it with you're a weirdo yeah doing that the resurgence, like, you're weird. you see people 
retroactively being like, oh, that 10-year-old is terrible. And I'm like, she's 10. Yeah. And of course she's terrible. She's away from her mom for the first time in her life. Yeah. Yeah. What, what we would have done in that, you know, everyone has different if reactions. If you put me in that situation tomorrow and I'm 30, I would have been like, <laughs> I would have oh, been I no better. Do, I couldn't do Kid Nation today. 26-year-old Laurel could not do Kid Nation. Absolutely not. Really? If the producers came to you and were like, we're rounding everybody up, Kid one Nation. more oh, round, that's season that's two. Different. That's different. That's different. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was all the same people and it was like the reunion. If it was tour. all the same people and the, the saloon was filled with real booze, oh my God, I'd be like... Oh, what's a banana bomb? Oh, it was um, it was cream soda and um, um, a bl- black cherry syrup. Okay, excellent. I want to do a banana. It was a, a, we have a grenadine of- and cream soda. That's the best we can do. <laughs> Perfect. Throw some vodka or gin or whatever your poison is in there. Best we can do is ninety nine bananas. Yeah, that sounds good. You have ninety nine bananas. That reminds me of high school. <laughs> Nine, 99 Bananas is a staple of the Stay Tuned podcast. Yeah, we, we didn't do it I on thought. this episode, but every episode we do the pouring one out segment. Yeah. So we make a I, cocktail themed around the show that we're watching. What, what is the Kid Nation themed cocktail? We uh, had to make three of we them. We had to make three. One was, one was a spiked root beer. Uh-huh. Uh, I did a spiked hot chocolate because it was the yeah. barrel of cocoa. Uh, I, Wait, I'm friends with you now. Should I be prepared for your horrible things to say about me? No. Well, we, I have nothing horrible to say. Yeah, we actually oh, really yeah. don't speak ill of the kids because... Oh, great. Thank God. ...aware that you're they're normal, children. You're normal people. Yeah. Uh, okay. Noah feels bad that he kept calling Mike an evil cowboy. I call Mike an evil cowboy. dressed him. He was dressed as an evil cowboy. You're not calling him... He was portrayed as an evil yes. cowboy because of the articles he put on his own body. Yeah. A, a lot of our podcast is a lot of me being like... I hate Greg and I want him to go home and, oh my God, he's 15. Why did this show make me feel this way? And you're correct and you're also correct. <laughs> yeah, it's... You're correct. And I'm so glad because I kept going because you were just communicating with me over Twitter and I kept going through your Twitter being like, I don't see any podcasts. So is there like yeah. a... Yeah, uh, underscore stay doomed? No, nope, just at stay doomed. Oh, at stay doomed. Nobody had it. It's mine. Yeah, at stay doomed is the podcast okay. Twitter. Looking because I like to look through every person before I do an interview just right. to make sure you're not like a neo Nazi or like a pedophile or right, right. And, 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 and through my quick uh, search through your Twitter, I didn't see anything that would make me good. <laughs> I mean, I'm here, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're here, you're here, yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, most of yes, my Twitter I, is talking about either Wawa, professional wrestling, or Disney World, so. yeah, yeah, we're pretty clean. None of Makes me think uh, you are an anti-Semite or a racist or a pedophile. So nope. fantastic. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, so where can people find you? People can find, I am public on Instagram. Um, my name is Laurel McGough, L-A-U-R-E-L-M-C-G-O-F-F. On Twitter, I am Laurel underscore underscore McGough1. And on TikTok, I am Laurel McGough8. I'm actually going to film a TikTok after this. I have some funny ideas of what I want to do. Uh, are you a comic now? Do you do comedy? I used to do. I also COVID uh, ruined everyone's lives. Yes, um, but yes. yeah, at, at one time I was doing stand-up comedy and I am still interested in doing stand-up comedy. And I know you have a show yeah. coming up. 
that I am interested in that I would like to discuss after. I'm because again, I've been very. Yeah, once yeah. we stop recording, we'll talk a little bit more. Because no one wants to. We definitely it. need a collab here. We definitely yes, don't want to talk I have about ideas. that show on mic. Yeah. <laughs> agreed. And agreed and agreed. And also, I'm a preschool teacher. So. Gotcha. 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 You know, I can, I, you know, we can play five little monkeys at school, but I can't talk about my pussy and then the parents see it and it's a yeah, whole, you I know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that being a problem. I can see it that. It might be a problem. Right, because look. I can't be a different person. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the show. I had a wonderful time Sorry, I went on and on and on. No, this is fun. No. You, you didn't try to Any sell us crypto. Questions? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I wish I had an OnlyFans to plug or anything like that, but <laughs> I'm not that cool, unfortunately. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Oh, I, I do have one more question. Uh, if, yes. If you want to come on and review a show with us, what is your favorite TV show that ran one season? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my, oh my goodness. I have to think. I have to think. Because I'd love to have you back to talk about something. I have so many things. What what are some things that have won? I know the Real Housewives of Miami ran one season. That's the only thing I know that ran one season. That would be quite an episode. It would be. There was a lot of fights. A lot of fights and a lot of Puerto Rican women saying Spanish things to each other, which makes me both scared and sexually aroused. <laughs> Very no, I See, I love doing reality shows. Like, mm. I made us do Daisy of Love. Yeah, Daisy yeah. of Love. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the Swedish twins. The Swedish twins. There were right. triplets. They're the triplets. Swedish There's twins. three of them. Eighty-four, eighty-five, and eighty-six. We are just here to party. <laughs> oh, I have to like. I'm gonna DM you a link of their downstairs neighbor wrote a blog about what it was like to live downstairs from the three of them. I am so gross. I love it all. Rock of love, Daisy of love, shot at love with Tila Tequila. All right. Uh, I love all of it. I am a reality junkie queen because okay. I think it's I just funny. rewatched Rock of Love again. Yeah. Rock of Love bus. <laughs> we can uh, see that <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, there's so much to discuss. I really have to pee. All right. I end this. Yeah, see, we'll, we'll end this. Thank you so much, Laurel. Thank you again to Laurel for doing the show. It's so great to do these interviews. Laurel was an amazing person. We talked a lot after we stopped recording. She's absolutely great. Check her out on her Instagram and uh, see if she's doing a show sometime soon. We're going to try to collab and do a Stay Doomed stand-up show at some point. But uh, until then, we got to talk about something else. We got to talk about what's coming up next. Next, we will be doing, as voted on by our patrons, Muppets Now. So if you want to watch before you listen, head on over to Disney Plus and watch Muppets Now. And also, since Kid Nation ate up all of September, we're going to do another Patreon vote for October. So which of these shows would you like us to do after Muppets Now? Here are your choices. The runner-up from the last poll, once again, it's Evil Monkeys, which is a British pilot. If you'd like us to do that, then vote for that one on Twitter. Or would you like us to do The Secret Talents of the Stars? This is a reality show that was canceled after one episode where we learned the hidden talents of various celebrities. Or would you like something more in the cartoon genre 
it's 1991's Solar Man. Solar Man was going to be a Fox Kids cartoon. It ran one episode. Would you like that? Or, I know you guys love older things. How about Daddy-O from 1961? That is literally all I know about it, is that it is from 1961. So those are your choices. You have Evil Monkeys. You have the Hidden Talents of the Stars. You have Solar Man, and you have Daddy-O. Vote now on Twitter, and the top two will move on to the Patreon vote, where the patrons will decide which one we're watching next. And also, if you'd like to join our Patreon, you can do so right now at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. Thank you so much for watching. I'm at plus two comedy. Laura is at Sprocket League. And until next time, stay doomed.